it's not me, it's you. You know what? It's because Mercury is in retrograde. Everything goes down the crapper when Mercury is in retrograde. Because Mercury, Mercury is in Gatorade. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Two Takes on Film. My name is Connor McGregor, and oh. <laughs> and this is uh, my co-host, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. Uh, hello. Sorry, Ewan. 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 Ewan McGregor. Mm. <laughs> Welcome to our show. Um, to start off today's episode, we've got a little question that we teased in our last episode, uh, poised by a, um, poised. Yeah. Poised. Post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Should we restart? <laughs> no, no, this is fine. This is fine. Keep going. Um, this question was poisoned uh by <laughs> by former friend and current guest sorry former guest <laughs> and current friend no i'm just kidding um zachary m paul middle name is mcgregor <laughs> <laughs> a whole uh, bunch of mcgregors today <laughs> anyway <laughs> this question was posed by zach paul who you guys might remember from an episode a couple months ago um and this question is why are people actors particularly on tv but mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. so not not based on research which heather has done a little bit of but just based on like what your initial thoughts on that would have been or would be or are, what do you think is the answer to that question? Why do we refer to people as being on TV and in movies? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's going to be difficult for me to answer that question now having looked into that question mm-hmm. a little bit. Um to start though, I'll say I never really thought about it. I know that this question was inspired by a commercial uh, that is currently airing. Yeah. Um, yes. And there are a number of questions that are posed in that commercial um, that are quite valid. <laughs> uh, just things to think about. But um, yeah, I honestly, I don't know. It feels like semantics. I, but I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe there's not like a concrete reason. Maybe it's not like, oh, we have to say that people are on TV because of this, but just like, why did that become, why do you think that that's, that's like how we became, how we came to refer to people, to actors, Mm -hmm. even if it's not like for like a legitimate reason, even Mm -hmm. if it's not that important, there's Mm -hmm. probably something that eventually happened that like kind of led to that. Or Mm -hmm. do you think it's just like, that it just coincidence like it just happened mm-hmm. that way well are you asking me what i have learned about it or no, I'm, asking, I'm asking you like what you would have thought initially or maybe some wild 
wild uh, theories. Some wild theories. Um, See, why I think that actors are on TV is because, like, they show up on set uh-huh. and they act, like, which is, like, fake living, for those uh-huh. of you guys who don't know, um, oh. in front of cameras, and then the cameras put them on your TV. But movies are actually real and the people that you see aren't they're actually trapped inside of those boxes oh they aren't real people they're Uh, not real people no 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 they are they're they're not real people trapped in a box no they're it's a it's a whole different species (laughs) little tiny they look a lot like people but they're very small and and they're trapped in in cameras oh yeah and uh, that was not at all what I thought you were about to start saying and talking about. Well, I've been forced to hide this information um, oh. because of the government for a long time. And oh, the government. They, they finally called me this morning and they're like, you know what? Hyundai kind of shot us in the foot. Like, we have to put this one out there. Go ahead and release it to your three listeners. <laughs> We have more than three listeners, so thank yeah. you to all four of you who are listening. <laughs> yes, go sp- go spread the news, and let's all work together and try to free those little little thing- guys, little things. There's so the many camera. of there's so many of them. Where I do know, they keep like, them? They well, they didn't tell me that I could release that information yet. Oh, they just because they're can... worried. Well, wor- they're worried that we'll set them free, and then they won't be able to make any more movies huh yeah it just feels like there's a lot you, of them i'll just tell you guys you, you oh. remember the movie downsizing you remember the movie downsizing yeah like 2018 yeah that actually happened in real oh. life that's the only real movie because oh. it's actually a documentary <laughs> about what happened <laughs> matt damon and kristen rig Wig were some of the first to do it and they trapped those people and they put them inside cameras and then they're all the actors now in movies but this this has been happening for a long time and across yeah. the globe yeah yep but okay but what about red carpets award shows oh they just what about what about running into celebrities in real life like have you ever been to downtown hollywood you know how many lookalikes there are there famous <laughs> actors you can easily pick some up off the street and just say hey we need you to fake the movie premiere for this they all know it's they they they're they're on the inside there so they they just fake that do they want never you what do they want to be there of course it's it's their dream to be shrunk down and and live inside of cameras or movies and so so on stage accepting a fake actor for a little matt damon's work or fake actor fake oscar for little matt damon's work you know that's uh that's like as close as they're ever going to get because the government banned um, the official project known as downsizing. But how do they? I guess I'm just struggling to think about the logistics of this because because not every actor is in a movie with the same actors. Like if they if they go on to work on other movie uh-huh. projects. Yeah. So I guess my question is. Like logistically, how do they get from one so camera to the next? When you change lenses in a camera, uh-huh. 
you they first tell which of the little guys need to go into the lens kind of like a uh, like on spaceships when they have uh-huh. like um sure little like uh like a little capsule yeah little capsules that yeah. shoot out those are like what lenses are mm. all lenses are exactly the same mm. they just use them to transport actors to different cameras to work with each other oh that's interesting yeah yeah it is hmm well you've you've presented a really interesting idea do you this want is, me to this is the truth do you want me to to maybe inform you about what could be considered an alternate truth? No. Oh, you're so you're happy with that idea? Oh, I'm not happy with it. I think I think it's terrible. I think but, I think it's but according horrible, to what you but, uh, according to what you said, they want to be there. No. Oh. So, oh. So, oh. No. I thought you meant the fake ones that are doing the red carpet stuff. No. 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 I'm would talking- you want to be stuck in a camera, forced to to act? Well, is that all I've ever known? No, they were once big people. And then they got downsized. They thought they were going to go live in a paradise where all their money was worth more and stuff. But did they they ultimately chose that? And there's no they way to get, they get didn't out of it? They didn't slavery. No, you can't reverse the, the thing. You can't. You can't, you can't reverse the the surgery or whatever it is surgery <laughs> you know the, the process the process of being downsized you can't reverse that they say so in the documentary made by alexander payne in 2019 downsizing okay, so actually the whole world is being directed by alexander payne right now that's why the entire world feels so heavy-handed hmm. <laughs> well, but actually if you I'm going to pause a little bit there because if you actually know movies, that was a pretty good joke. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are going to get that. But, but back to reality. M- me? Well, I was just saying back to our discussion of this real thing oh. that's happening. Oh, oh. Yeah, it just, I I feel sad for them if that, if they have unwillingly. Why do you think they, do you think they cry so often in movies? They can't help it. Huh. Yeah. What if there's some really happy movies out there though as well? Well, you know, I mean they they find joy in the little things. Okay, so is this just small. movie movie actors or is this also TV actors? Are TV no, actors No, like I said, TV actors they just show up on set and act. Hmm. You've given me a, a lot to chew on, I suppose. That's why, you know, if you're ever in TV, they always say, that's why they're always pushing TV actors. Like, when are you going to make it to the movies? Like, you should really audition for some movies. Oh, wow. Because they want to get them. Okay. But if you're ever in TV, know that that's not the world. Anymore. That's just the industry. Stay in TV. Stay okay. free. Okay. Here's a question for you, though. Riddle me this. Mm-hmm. Actors who are in both movies as well as television shows right how, so b- before how, how does before, that i already work? knew this was going to be your question and it makes yeah. sense good question heather yeah thank um you. before they they downsize them mm-hmm. they make duplicates of their body oh boy and then they skin them oh my gosh and other people <laughs> act inside of their suits on TV. 
that's why people on TV have so much more makeup. <laughs> Do they? All of the world is being directed by Alexander Payne, and all of TV is being run by Buffalo Bill. <laughs> Buffalo Bill? Oh my goodness, Heather. Come on. Silence of the Lambs. He skins people, makes bodysuits. Oh, gosh. I'm... Just ruined that reference. Okay. Well, can I can I tell you what the internet says about all of this? No, I don't want to hear your crazy theories. <laughs> okay. Well. No, that's. I I'm, think we've run I out have of to time. Tell that's you. a topic for another episode. <laughs> I'm just going to breathe. <laughs> sorry. We, we ran out of time. Apologies to Matt Damon. We've run out of time. But uh, we're going to have to continue this conversation in another episode. If you have any questions about this, um, visit www.downsizingthemovie.com. <laughs> and you can watch the trailer and everything and watch the documentary uh, based on it. So, And you can also email us at twotakesonfilm at gmail.com. Or reach out to us on social media because we'll uh, be ha- be more than happy to to discourse this with you further. Mm. But without further ado, I think we should move on to uh, our first movie of the week. <laughs> uh, today we're reviewing Dear Evan Hansen and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Mm. I will be going first with my review of Dear Evan Hansen which is the latest film from Steven Trubosky. Sounds good. The thing is, I've known this name for a long time. Hmm. Um, he's the director of Perks of Being a Wallflower. Totally. And very interesting is that he's the author of Perks of Being a Wallflower huh. and directed the movie adaptation of his movie. I love that. His which book. is, yeah, yeah, quite interesting. That doesn't usually happen. Um, mm-hmm. But Perks of Being a Wallflower is, is quite a remarkable film. I think it's a tad bit overrated. I think it holds a greater place in the echelon of films than like maybe it necessarily should. But I understand why people love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for being an author, solid directorial out- outing. Sure. And then he directed um, Wonder in, mm-hmm. in 2017, I think. Do you remember the movie Wonder? I Owen didn't Wilson, see it, but Jacob I am familiar with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then now is directed uh, this movie, Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. So latest effort from him. It follows uh, a teenage boy named Evan Hansen who struggles with uh, all sorts of different um, uh, social in- disorders, social anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. um, things like that mm-hmm. and such. Uh, and how would you want to give the plot of this movie? How would you describe the plot of this movie without being too? I guess the trailer gives that yeah, all away. Yeah, I mean, so dear. Well, Evan actually, Hansen, you know what? I'm I, I'm just gonna spoil okay. at least as much as the trailer would spoil. Totally. Yeah. Uh, dear. Evan, I I also yeah. think at this point, dear Evan Hansen, the story of it has been around for a long time. It was a Broadway show. Yeah. And now has been adapted I mean, into a, a decent amount of time. Yeah. I mean, not like 40 years. No, no, no. Like but four years. Has that only been four years? Wasn't it? Well, I guess mid mid 2010s, right? Hmm. Or was it earlier than that? I don't know. I don't know for sure. Hmm. Uh, it was, yeah, maybe it was only like five or six years ago. Yeah. But still, it's been around enough sure. that I think sure. people probably know the general 
but and anyway. in this day and age, and it was very popular. So yeah. like Heather said, it, it is based off of a very, very popular uh, Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, follows this boy, Evan Hansen, um, very lonely kid. He receives um, through different turns of events. Essentially, there's um, a, a kid at his school who he didn't know very well or mm-hmm. didn't know at all, really, who ends up taking his own life. Mm-hmm. And when the body of that kid is found, he's found with um, a letter that appears to someone who finds his body, or in this case, his parents, um, appears to make it seem as though he and Evan Hansen were good friends. Mm-hmm. Evan Hansen, as it turns, doesn't have any friends. Also, this kid's sister is Evan Hansen's biggest crush. Mm-hmm. So when presented with the dilemma of, having to either tell the parents of this uh deceased boy that he actually didn't know him at all and wasn't yeah. friends and um or you know just comfort them in the moment and also not have to um stand up and and confront that because confrontation obviously isn't something that he's mm-hmm. um very good at he chooses uh the latter and he chooses to just kind of given to what they believe and Mm -hmm. then the lie spreads and spreads and spreads and as you can imagine it it gets bigger and bigger and and harder to manage Mm -hmm. um i this movie has i did not like this movie (laughs) (laughs) i hated this movie to a degree let me start out with some pros about the film because there are a few ben platt who you might remember as benji um from pitch perfect kind of shot him to stardom and then since then he's acted in a few things i know Mm -hmm. he's in a show called like the politician i believe Mm -hmm. uh and he's also become like a recording artist of his own yeah um and done a lot obviously on, on broadway because he played this character on Broadway in the original show, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. He he was kind of a part of making it, if I remember correctly. Yeah. No, or at least was like very much a part of the he process. He has been the yeah. yeah he's the, been there from the, the beginning. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he reprises his role uh, as uh, Evan Hansen, and he has the voice of an angel. Mm-hmm. Truly incredible, remarkable, incredible, incredible voice. Mm-hmm. So, you know that can like literally never be taken away from him. Like that will always be a positive that he can sing, Mm -hmm. you know, like no one's business. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're a fan of the songs of the musical, I mean, a Mm -hmm. lot of, I know a lot of people who are much more into musicals than I, and and often they're just a fan solely from listening to it. You know, Mm -hmm. they've never seen the musical itself or even like a recorded version of it. Not every musical gets, like the Hamilton treatment of Mm -hmm. having like a recorded version available for people to watch. So they're, they're fans simply on uh, like just listening to the songs alone. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if you are that you'll get to see basically live rendition. I mean, they're not truly live, but lived out uh, renditions of some of your favorite songs from the soundtrack. And and so I'm sure that can be, that would be uh, enjoyable. Um, to to fans of the songs, uh, yeah. After that, um, pros basically kind of end for me. Um, 
I think this film tries to sell you sympathy towards a really terrible person. Mm -hmm. I have no sympathy for Evan Hansen. Mm -hmm. Like nothing, nothing at all. He's creepy. He's uh, cowardly. He ruins people's lives or risks literally ruining people's lives off the back of an already potentially life-ruining situation for selfish gain. Mm -hmm. There's nothing redeemable about that. Do I think that characters with flaws can't be, you know, sympathized with? No, I'm not saying that, but he in no way is presented as what this movie is trying to sell uh, him as to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, you know, throughout the course of this film, grows a relationship with the sister of this boy who he is pretending to be best friends with, who has killed himself um, and gets to know her. Well, originally shows an affection for her by lying about affection that her brother supposedly had Mm -hmm. for her, uh, which leads to musical numbers between the two that are like deeply incestually disturbing i don't even know if incestually is the word but it's like genuinely kind of gave me chills it was so gross just listening to like truly take a step back think about what you're looking at think about what you're watching this is your main character you're supposed to root for him i don't like this this is not comfortable it's Mm -hmm. very weird um the one thing that i enjoyed actually (laughs) Connor, the the boy who takes his own life, was possibly my favorite character of the film um, because one of the only things I really enjoyed about anyone's characterization is that they never they never excused or gave sympathy to him mm. as a character, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately probably hindered his legacy. Like uh, Evan Hansen's actions probably hinders Connor's legacy because Connor was like a struggling kid. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of issues, and in turn, he acted really, really poorly mm-hmm. and treated those around him, mostly his family, very, very bad. And there are scenes towards the beginning of the film, recently after his death, where his mom maintains like this kind of uh, positive look at her son, obviously, but his stepdad and his sister really grapple with the fact that he was a monster at times. And mm-hmm. and while yes, he had his own struggles and. they know they're not supposed to judge him or necessarily and they're supposed to grieve his death Mm -hmm. there's a legitimate just logistical uh i guess ease in their life now not having him as a presence like that's a really complicated thing to look at yeah uh and i enjoyed that like i enjoyed Mm -hmm. that a lot i don't know the title of the song um Mm -hmm. but uh i think requiem probably is the name of it Mm -hmm. yeah I'm yeah. just guessing based off the lyrics. Yeah. That's probably like lyrically one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. from the soundtrack because that's actually something that's really tough. Often people who who in their own lives struggle mentally all their life, or at least in like the buildup to that greatly. And when you struggle with stuff mentally, like you're not you're not okay. You're mm-hmm. you tend to act differently than you would. So there's a there's like something to be said towards saying like, well, it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. He was hurting. He was this. And yes, that's true. But at the same time, he 
was hurting, but he also hurt them very badly. And that's something that like has to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. Then Evan Hansen comes and sells them this lie of Mm -hmm. like kindness that their brother, their son supposedly was. And you have to imagine if you lose, if you lose someone close to you who was treated you really, really terribly yeah, and you lose them to suicide and you're struggling with this idea of they didn't love me. They didn't care about me. They, they hated me. They probably told you that many times, like all this. I don't know how I feel about them now, not being a part mm-hmm. of my lives. And then someone comes and tells you, no, they did. They're actually this great person. They really loved you all this, 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 that. And you realize it was all a lie. You're probably mm-hmm. actually going to think worse of the legacy of that person than you would have just before. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is just one, I hate Evan Hansen. Like, I truly <laughs> hate him. There should be nothing celebratory about him or his actions. Do I think he deserves to die? No. Do I think he deserves redemption? Yes. Everyone deserves second chances, this, that, but like, that doesn't, that doesn't make for, I'm not even saying that bad people can't make good main characters. Mm-hmm. Bad people make good main characters all the time, mm-hmm. but their movies usually hopefully go all the way to recognize that like, this is not someone to be praised. Yeah. Um, the acting is quite poor. Um, Julian Moore and Amy Adams play Evan Hansen and Connor's mom, um, respectively. Yeah. Um, and they're really putting in a lot of work and mm-hmm. the whole time you just get the feeling that they're not hating it necessarily. Not, I mean, some of them have, they've both been in their fair share of, uh, less than quality films, but mm-hmm just really like struggling through their roles, trying to make the best of it, but struggling. The other actors are, are big actors, good actors, mm-hmm. but uh, just the awkwardness of the dialogue and the clumsiness of the, the choreography and the, in the um, singing just puts their performances. And I just had such a hard time feeling for any of them. Um, I didn't, I love Caitlin Denver. I really do love Caitlin Denver. Hated this role. Like absolutely mm. hated it. Um, ben Platt, you've probably already heard about this before even listening to this, but I mean, he's, how old is he in real life? He's 28, I think. 28 or 29. Yeah. 20 or 29, which isn't like crazy old, but mm-hmm. he's playing a 17 year old or mm-hmm. like a 16, 17 year old. And it's just horrifying and creepy his face has so much makeup he's Mm -hmm. been directed to purposely slouch over and and act all timid and shy he's not even just playing and and you and i kind i think we kind of talked about this but and i read a a variety article on Mm -hmm. kind of why this went so wrong did you read that article the one that compared this to orphan no you remember the movie orphan from 2008 Mm -mm. the big so like this family adopts this little girl blah 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 uh, the big twist was that she actually was a like 35 year old serial killer oh. who like had like this is a real story and, yeah it was like re- like on, loosely, loosely based, based on like mm-hmm. this family in Russia yeah and like that's what she did she like dresses up as a little girl she's very short has some like deformities mm-hmm. and then like gets adopted and then tries to sleep with the husband and kill the family and the variety article called dear evan hansen a loose remake of orphan because of because of how disturbing it is to watch ben platt try to 
outperform a 16 year old boy Hmm. like it's it's genuinely creepy Hmm. and what went wrong is we've watched people in their 20s play high schoolers forever Mm -hmm. yeah we all know that's how hollywood works totally but what happens is you have these like teenage rom-coms and you have some dude who's 25 with like a six-pack or whatever playing a 17 year old and nothing in the movie is trying to make you actually believe that he's 17 years old Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no just saying yeah this like alpha football player looking guy has a Mm six-pack and like a five o'clock shadow you know deal with it instead this movie tries so hard to make this 28 year old look 17 Mm -hmm. that it actually makes him look 40 Mm -hmm. 28 is not crazy old yeah but it's so they're trying so hard to make him look so young Mm -hmm. that it becomes so obvious that it it almost makes him look like he's even older trying to look that young because it's so performative and it's like trying so hard it's gross and disturbing uh one thing that i really hated he obviously has this powerful voice Mm -hmm. but his character is so timid and mm-hmm. so over the top slouchy and arms together and and, and this and you know stuttering and 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 and, and whatnot <laughs> i say and then i actually stutter. <laughs> do it but i don't mean like <laughs> stuttering as in like an actual speech thing but stuttering yeah. out of like a nervousness kind of yeah. thing um but then he sings songs and he hits really powerful notes mm-hmm. and there's songs where he actually does a decent job of like sing talking his Mm -hmm. way through a scene uh, mostly because a lot of the songs of this movie are just him singing and Mm -hmm. no one else around him singing Mm -hmm. which i found very awkward i did Mm -hmm. not like at all like the dinner table um with connor's family the first night he he tells them a a fake story Mm -hmm. he's singing Mm -hmm. this conversation back and forth but they're Mm -hmm. speaking their parts of the conversation Mm -hmm. back to him it's weird. I yeah. did not like it at all. But he's he's kind of sing talking and he's 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 fitting good like inflections similar to how a stage actor does. And you mm-hmm. need that, um, especially on a stage, because you're not up close to these people's faces on a stage. You're far back. You can see them ideally if the lighting's right or whatnot, and you're not, you know, all the way in the nosebleeders, but yeah. they have to they have to, you know, make sure that you can hear the emotions mm-hmm. and their thoughts and stuff in their voice and their inflections mm-hmm. and that's why people are able to love musicals just through listening to them alone because not only do they like literally sing the plot of the film mm-hmm. but whatever the character is feeling internally is ideally um unleashed through just their their vocal performances alone but when you have perfectly clear close-ups of mm-hmm. this guy like then all it needs is just some some facial tics and some facial cues mm-hmm. to you know cue you into to what his emotions are you don't need like the entire performance of it mm-hmm. and when that entire performance is so big and then on top of that no one else is performing yeah it just doubles down on the like showmanship of it mm-hmm. but then you have that paired against his like timid non-showy personality and it just makes no sense Mm -hmm. and then the song builds and builds and builds and as it builds he builds in confidence and he moves away from this speak talk uh you know nervous kid singing Mm -hmm. to this just like hitting big notes and when a singer hits big notes like that you can't you can't sit with your shoulders slumped together like you have to open up your chest you have to sing big you have to spread your arms a little bit 
like I, I don't care who it is, even the literally the best singers in the world. That's just how it works. And so like uh the the physicality of the performance when singing big notes does not at all match the physicality of the character, the rest of the scene, or the tone even of the words that he is singing. He's singing about being so scared while opening up his chest and facing an audience in the school gym. I know that he's not supposed to be like actually singing in front of them. Yeah. In context of the story. Yeah. But it just feels very awkward. And mm-hmm. and then that's even more amplified by the fact that he's a grown man. So that confidence is even more boosted by the fact that he's not a little kid. Mm-hmm. And so he has the ability to pull off that sort of performance. And it just doesn't work at all. And, and the movie's just absolutely plagued with this. And the the only times he successfully does kind of convey this this uh, cowardly nervous person facade is in scenes where he's not talking or singing at all where they're like flashbacks to him in a forest and he's running around Mm -hmm. but then that's some of the creepiest scenes of like oh look at that 40 year old man pretending to be a teenage boy it's guys i hated it (laughs) i really did not like it (laughs) oh is that i mean I know you had issues with it, sure, but I know mm-hmm. you also liked it more than me. Mm-hmm. What coming out of this movie, like genuinely? Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying that anyone who likes this movie more than me is wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. They are, but I'm not saying. That. <laughs> but like genuinely, walk me through things that you watched, parts of the mm-hmm. movie that you saw that you thought, wow, I really like that. And there's mm-hmm. nothing about this that gives me pause mm-hmm. on liking this. Mm-hmm. Did you have one moment of, because for me, like there, there are scenes that I can enjoy mm-hmm. while saying like these things about it are mm-hmm. just weird, but like I'm picking mm-hmm. out these cherries of niceness in it. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't make for a movie that I walk away from thinking mm-hmm. I liked too much. That mm-hmm. ma- walk makes a movie that I walk away from thinking, okay, like here's some things they kind of did. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. were like, were there scenes that you, you just thought, boom, executed perfectly. Um, no. So I think when I walked away from it, I didn't immediately think, wow, I loved that. I left feeling super disappointed. Yeah. I am one of those people who fell in love with this, uh, honestly, who fell in love with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never seen the stage adaptation of it, but I have listened to the soundtrack of it a lot. And it, I think, yeah, just in certain seasons of my life over others has been have been songs that bring out emotion or that like have the story within the song that are super powerful. Um, so I think when I saw that it was coming to a movie form, I was so excited because of what had happened with Hamilton and how I didn't even, I knew nothing about Hamilton, but then getting to see it and like be a part of it and involved in it just made me become Mm -hmm. an instant fan. So I was hopeful that that the, the fame and the attention and all the accolades that this garnered on stage would make its way over to the movie. And I don't feel like it did. I can fully acknowledge the flaws. I think 
also seeing it in its wholeness, I can acknowledge like, oh, this is a super <laughs> like sick and twisted story in a lot yeah. of ways, which just, just by listening to the music, I never really had pause about the story or what I knew about it. But then, yeah, I think like seeing it seeing played it out, out. Yeah. yeah, it's, it is terrible. And what he did was terrible. I think the story as a whole is well-intentioned. I think it's important to raise these topics of mental health and how particularly that impacts teens and all of that. But again, there's, I think it handled that subject with the gracefulness of a blue whale. Totally. I'm not saying it did it well. I'm not saying it did it well. I think it's important. And I think it had good intentions. Yes. I don't think it was executed well. Um, I think, again, the part I was most excited about was the music. And the music actually fell pretty flat for me Um, in this. Like, even the opening song and sequence, I was like, oh, like, the sound didn't feel well mixed. It, (laughs) like, like immediately I was not on board with it. and even in the context of how all of the songs are placed, they just feel very like, boop, 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 like very mm-hmm. dropped in. It doesn't feel particularly cohesive to me. So, which feels so surprising given again, the, just the attention and the, the affection that it has for the Broadway version of it. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that too. I, I can get behind a good song. Yeah. And I can get behind like an inspirational moment, no matter how forced or totally or heavy handed it is. Yeah. And I found none of those. I yeah. really didn't. Yeah. Cause you and I talked about it before and you said like, you know, jokingly, you're like ready to go cry and Evan yeah. Hansen. Yeah. And part of me thought like, I can almost guarantee I'm going to hate this movie, but also I want to be super surprised if it did make me tear up at some point. Totally. I cry very easily in movies yeah. Yeah. and like, you know, the right music, the right Mm-hmm. just pacing like will get to me and so yeah. I was like yeah that might happen you know yeah I'm a sucker for for emotional things like that mm-hmm. and like never even came close mm-hmm. yeah also when you mentioned dropped in I I noticed that so much mm-hmm. the the pacing the song felt randomized but also mm-hmm. so predictable mm-hmm. there's like this little guitar riff that they use the intro like every single song mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just because the music in it is acoustic heavy or mm-hmm if that's actually in the play itself mm-hmm. but there's like the same little guitar riff is like every time two people would be talking and you'd start to hear that and you'd be like oh here's she's about song. to start singing <laughs> yeah yeah or yeah. he's about to start singing whoever yeah. you know yeah so I think that's one of the things that was most disappointing to me I think I can look beyond the casting of Ben Platt I'm happy for him that he got to do it like I know that it was a huge part of his life and yeah, I, I don't know that me going to see this movie with someone else in that role, I, that would have felt different for me because I, in my mind, have only ever interpreted Evan Hansen as Ben Platt. I know that obviously now, like there are other people, he doesn't play that role anymore. Um, so I'm happy for him that he got to do it. There are also questions about nepotism. <laughs> His dad yeah. um, produced it. Right? I think so. Yeah. Um, and well, also there's, I've read some interview where he was basically like, like they couldn't do this without me. Like I mm. hold this thing together. Like mm-hmm. there's no way 
I was letting this come to screen without being in the main role. Mm-hmm. And I think he meant it more so in a sense of like, I was not going to let this opportunity to mm-hmm. adapt this play that I was a part mm-hmm. of go mm-hmm. without like fully taking part of yeah. it before it's truly too late. But it came across as like, yeah, they couldn't do this without me. Totally. Which they could have like, and I'm sure they could have cast someone that would but have been it, better. It, it, no, but it he... both felt like they couldn't do this without me. Like it, it wouldn't be successful and also like literally literally they couldn't because like i or my father or something mm. would like halt production like they would not be allowed to do this without me yeah 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 i don't know um but again i didn't have as many issues with him as i feel like the general public do <laughs> is he too old to play the part absolutely did they put too much makeup on him absolutely does it feel weird and creepy at times absolutely but I think I could look past that because it's Ben Platt. Um, also, he, if you watch any of his other performances or even I follow him on Instagram, if you see the little like musical numbers that he does just on his own or whatever, he is an incredibly expressive performer mm-hmm. with his face, with his hands. And so obviously that's going to be in the movie I hated it in the movie (laughs) like little hand movements that he would do or whatever I feel like this story is made for the stage and I don't think it it should have come um to movie format at least not in what we got I think it needs to stay on the stage and like that's Um, why sorry were you finished oh no go ahead that's why it's such a bummer that like it was it was good on the stage and it should have stayed on the stage but they they tried to force it onto screen and now as a result of that you know ben platt julianne moore Mm -hmm. amy adams are forever Mm -hmm. shrunk down into little people and stuck in a camera (laughs) all for nothing and they can't ever go back that's so sad for them sad Yeah, yeah absolutely Gotcha. (laughs) you did get me i thought you were going different direction with that um the last thing that i'll mention that i or two more things one thing one more thing i didn't like one thing i did actually like um i uh so within the first song he's walking through the halls of his school and the camera is like boom boom like moving with the music i Uh hated it I didn't like when he goes that. that tap, tap, tap. And it was like, yeah, sometimes that works. I didn't enjoy it. The mm-hmm. second uh, stylistically, th- whatever thing they did that I did not enjoy is when he's singing, you will be found massive song, huge impact, all these everyone's talking about it on social media and then suddenly all of these like videos and pictures oh, and yeah. whatever social media things start flying at the screen i hated that it felt so cheap it felt yeah. so like high school slideshow yeah, yeah i yeah. did did we not were... enjoy it and felt like it really cheapened the moment because that that moment is like a huge moment for him and for the school and whatever it's literally at this at Connor's memorial service and um it just felt so cheap to me so I didn't like that and I think your problem with that first scene speaks to what I was saying as far as uh like the representation of his personality and mm-hmm. the physicality of the por- performance mm-hmm. also the filming techniques used mm-hmm. like when you have him 
when you have a song like the very opening song, mm -hmm. which is basically to establish him as this small, weak, timid person character who mm -hmm. is isolated and who very much lives in their own mind and really just like interacts with themselves mm -hmm. only like, you know, he interacts with his mom in the morning, but besides that, like he goes to school and only person he talks to all day is his self and, and, and you know, whatnot. and his family friend. Sure. And his family friend who like hangs out with him all the time, but makes a point to say like, we're not friends at all. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, dude, you're, you're hanging out with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I went to school with family friends, mm -hmm. even like, kind of distant family who mm -hmm. not that I didn't like them but we weren't that close of friends I felt no need to like hang out with them all the yeah, time yeah yeah you know I but don't know anyway. what the situation is with him there is some sort of deep obligation that he feels to yeah, yeah. like whatever take I care of him yeah, yeah I don't know but um in that scene that's establishing him as this small weak timid character you need to just focus on him that's what the song is about it's about him being isolated. It's about him being lonely. It's about him mm -hmm. being in his own world. Show him in the context of his house, his neighborhood, his school, but make sure to isolate the frame so that he's alone. Mm -hmm. You know, have people on the side leave him alone. Mm -hmm. Like there are visual techniques to, to tell the audience that this yeah. person lives in their own world. Mm -hmm. They aren't seen by anyone else and they don't really see anyone else mm -hmm. so when you have like those boom 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 shots those mm -hmm. three 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 shots that we're talking about that cut from him walking through a hall to like shot of three different friend groups talking um like at their lockers and like mm -hmm. looking over at him even if they're looking kind of like glaringly like oh look the nerd kid whatever mm -hmm. it's still like expanding that world you're seeing there's people around him whatever He's in this world full of characters. He recognizes them because you assume that the boom, boom, boom is his perspective, kind of noticing these friend groups talking mm -hmm. and it continues to do things like that. And every time you cut back to him, it's actually showing more of this hallway. And pretty soon you're just at this medium shot of this guy with like a thousand kids around him in a, mm -hmm. in the middle of a gymnasium. And then he's, and then that's culminates to that point I was talking about where he's hitting these big notes. He's like turning in circles, opening up his chest singing like upwards as people around him, but we've already established that he's like recognized in this world. And I mm -hmm. know that that's not supposed to be real life. Like he's not actually singing, yeah. but it just does not sell the lyrics that at that point are literally saying like, I'm so alone. Mm -hmm. you, like that just throws an audience off and like you, your mind and your ears and everything are getting so many different signals as far as like, who actually is this character? What actually mm -hmm. are, like his confidence levels how does he actually interact with the world around him because it doesn't really seem like he actually feels as uncomfortable in that world as he says he does mm -hmm. all the like vocal and facial tics and stutters and little hand movements you can do aren't going to convince audiences that you're an outcast you have mm -hmm. to sell it otherwise through like yeah. genuine physicality mm -hmm. and visual uh storytelling so mm -hmm. yeah just poorly made film all around yeah but you know the thing is i know that listening to this review there's there's like three types of people there's people who didn't care about this movie before and don't care about it now mm -hmm. great there's people who cared about this movie before and it does not matter what i say they're gonna mm -hmm. go see it because mm -hmm. they they like to play whatever and they should mm -hmm. there's people like me who cared about this movie before 
and the fact that they saw the trailer and said, wow, that looks horrible. And then they heard me say it's horrible and they say, great, can't wait to go see it. <laughs> yeah. There are probably so, other kinds of people too. No, those are the three those types are, of people. That's it. There's Find your person. Actually, there's four. And the fourth are uh, the little actors that are stuck <laughs> in the <terms>. camera. <laughs> Last thing that I'll say is that I did actually enjoy Caitlin Dever's um, performance. I... Yeah, I enjoyed her. I enjoyed her more at the beginning when she hadn't yet been swayed or manipulated by Evan yeah, and his his stories. Um, yeah, and but I, I I enjoyed her. Throughout. I enjoyed elements, like I said, that song "Requiem." Like mm-hmm. I enjoyed her performance in that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, and I didn't I didn't say that I didn't enjoy her performance to criticize it too much or even say that it was that bad i think mm-hmm. i was trying to uh to contrast the fact that i really love her as an actress yeah and yet and generally and amy adams is probably my favorite actress hmm. currently working if not of mm-hmm. all time and mm-hmm. i love amy adams to death there's almost nothing she could be in that i want to try to justify her being in or try mm-hmm. to like point out good in her performance mm-hmm. and yet you know, for those two actresses. So that's what I was trying to say is contrast, like basically even despite how much I love them, like Mm -hmm. this wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A couple of minutes ago, you said physicality, I think, or physicality. Physicality. Yeah. Yeah. And all I can think of is that song from Madagascar with when the little lemur is uh, singing, I like to move it. And he says, physicality fit, physicality fit. Oh. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, one more thing I'll say. I sorry. No, it's um, good. It's good. The the music as a whole is still not ruined for me. So I those mm. songs mm. are still super powerful. Um, the recorded versions of Ben Platt singing those songs are still super powerful. I think taking them out of the context of the actual story, I think still are enjoyable. I will continue to sing them, um, but I probably won't watch this movie again. And that makes me sad. That's all. Those are the the end of my thoughts now, officially. One more thing. (laughs) Let's move on. So Heather is now going to give us a review of the eyes of Tammy. Faye. Uh, is it the eyes or just the eyes? eyes. The, the eyes, eyes of Tammy Faye. Yes. The eyes of Tammy Faye. The eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, this movie is the latest from director Michael Showalter, which uh, one thing that I will say about doing this podcast is that it really is just opening my eyes to the fact that I really did not know directors' names. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Uh, Michael Michael Showalter, I know that um, kills you inside. I'm so sorry. Uh, Michael Showalter is responsible for The Lovebirds, The Big Sick, uh, which is from a few years ago, which was really wonderful, um, uh, as well as Hello, Hello, My Name is Doris, uh, which is just a small little film, but is one that I really enjoyed um, and could potentially be me in the future. So is that uh, the one where she falls in love with the younger? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I remember seeing yes, the trailer for that. Yes. 
It's very, I love it. Mm. Uh, he has also been a part of whether through directing or writing, um, some great shows like search party, uh, which is on HBO max, which is wonderful, uh, as well as love and grace and Frankie, which I know, um, has a, a good following as well. So, uh, has been involved in a lot of great things. This is the latest from him. Um, the eyes of Tammy Faye is about the tremendous rise and fall of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, who, um, were two televangelists in the like seventies, eighties, um, who worked, they were married, obviously <laughs> they share the same last name. Uh, they worked to create the world's largest religious broadcasting network, as well as a Christian themed theme park. Um, and they were largely known for their key messages of love and acceptance and particularly uh, like financial wealth and prosperity. Um, so this story in particular mostly focuses on Tammy Faye and her personal journey from the time that she was a young girl um, up until college and meeting Jim Baker and then their marriage and relationship, uh, and their journey as far as what they built, um, together. So, uh, also about the, the fall of all that they built together. So this is a story about greed and manipulation and public falls from grace. And I really enjoyed it. And I think I would give it maybe like a seven and a half out of 10. So that's the rundown on the eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, as far as a couple of things that I enjoyed from this film, first and foremost, um, the production design, the set design, costuming, makeup was just incredible. Such, such a commitment to, um, the real life people that they're trying to emulate, um, but also to the era that they were portraying, um, a lot of fun, lots of prosthetics, um, which pluses and minuses. I know that they were trying to get them to look as close, uh, to Jim and Tammy Faye as possible. It was a little distracting at times as were their voices. Um, Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield really take on, take on the embodiment of these characters and, um, change their voices. And I'm sure worked with dialect coaches and all of that. They're from the Midwest. Um, and all of that combined made it super convincing and very compelling, but also was a little distracting at times, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but just really draws you in to, to the time and to what they were Mm -hmm. doing. Um, secondly, Jessica Chastain was a huge win for me. She, she was believable as Tammy Faye. She was impressive with, um, both her acting as well as, uh, she sings in this. She, um, does her own covers of Tammy Faye's songs. Um, and in the midst of all that is happening with the bakers and particularly with the fall of their, everything, (laughs) their lives. Um, Jessica Chastain really is able to draw out this empathy for Tammy Faye. I think it's such an odd, um, situation of Tammy Faye, like being present and being a part of what was going on, but also being enough on the outskirts and enough, not in the picture that you can 
like feel bad for her of what's happening. Um, and I think she really builds up this idea of that Tammy Faye had really great intentions and really did just want to like love people and, and care for people, um, but got wrapped up into everything that was happening, um, with her husband. Um, and then additionally, Jessica Chastain actually purchased the rights, the film rights, uh, to the story like 10 years ago. So this is very much a passion project for her. So big fan of, of being able to see that come to life Mm -hmm. and come to fruition. But, uh, I walked out of the movie and I just, my personal opinion, you could disagree, but I felt like this was a like potential Oscar nomination for Jessica Chastain. I thought she was incredible. Oh, definitely. I think for both of them actually. Yeah. 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 For for both her and Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then the last thing that I'll mention is that, um, this story is a really interesting look at this idea of televangelism and faith and fame and how those things do or don't go together. Um, I was raised as a Christian in a pretty conservative um, community. And uh, this show, I think, or the show, this movie touches on uh, a lot that feels difficult in the Christian community, especially right now. Um, just as far as this idea of, again, like mixing faith and fame and, um, using a platform to communicate the message of Jesus, but also, uh, yeah, make money. And the fact that so much of this has been turned into a business or a platform or, I don't know. I think especially over the past couple of years, we have seen so much corruption and like so many Christian leaders who have fallen from grace and who have done that very publicly. Mm-hmm. And I think whenever you mix the two of those things, both that faith and fame or money or whatever it is, I think ultimately it can be pretty detrimental to like the ultimate message of Jesus. So, um, I think although this story was years, happened years ago, um, I think it's still super current and applicable to, uh, the times now. Um, my, so part of, um, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker's journey to building their own network, um, was that they worked with, um, oh my gosh, what's his first name? Robertson, Pat, Pat Mm -hmm. Robertson, who, um, I think currently, I think he's still alive, right? He still runs the 700, the 700 club. Um, and my grandparents watched that show religiously, not to like (laughs) be funny about it. Um, so it was really interesting seeing someone portray him, um, in this film. And there is this scene, he doesn't talk a ton, but there's one scene in particular where they're at his house for a, like a cookout or whatever. And he says something and I was like, oh my gosh, that literally sounds like him. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it was kind of bizarre, but, uh, anyways, there are still, yeah, still things like the 700 club and, and televangelists, um, on, on TV today. So, uh, just a really interesting look at that. And I think this couple was really the start of 
televangelism. Um, I think at least as we know it now, which is, which is just interesting. So Mm. those were some of my positives. Anything else you want to add before I go on to the things I didn't love as much? Um, no, no, I'll let you finish up. Keep going. Um, I don't know why I keep asking you that because I feel like every, every thing is I do have, I really enjoy this movie. I have positives, but they often are kind of double-sided. Totally. Yeah. So I want to just kind of give you your own space for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So as far as some of the things I didn't love as much, um, I understand and I acknowledge that this is literally called the eyes of Tammy Faye. But I wanted more from Jim Baker's side. I think um, he very much felt more uh, like the leader of the corruption and deceit, uh, both in their business as well as in his personal life. And we get glimpses of that certainly throughout, but I think I wanted more of that. Um, I think they did a great job of, like I said, having Tammy Faye kind of acknowledge what was happening, but keeping her enough on the outskirts that you don't feel like she's fully involved. But I Mm -hmm. think I just wanted to see more of, like, I wanted to see more of the moral failure, moral failure, um, that clearly was there. And I don't think it goes into that very much. Um, this movie ends with Jim Baker going to prison. So again, there's like enough information for us to understand why, but I just wanted more. So, um, secondly, they have two kids and where did they go? Where were they? (laughs) They like, uh, we see the first kid as a baby and then time passes. They're ministry grows, whatever the kid is suddenly, uh, like a tween, like an early teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they end up having another baby. We see the baby in the hospital and then we do not see either of the children ever again Yeah, in the movie. So again, I don't know, maybe that was accurate to their lives. Maybe the kids were off with a nanny or off with a whoever, and they mm-hmm. just weren't a part of what um, Jim and Tammy Faye were doing. But if that was the case, I wanted them to acknowledge that. I think it was weird to like introduce them and kind of make them part of the story, but then, but then they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wish they would have told us a little bit more about that. Um, Tammy Faye's mom, who I am... Uh, Cherry Jones is mm-hmm. her name, the actress. Um, I had an issue with her aging. She she is an older actress. Oh, the same thing, yeah. And when we first meet her is when Tammy Faye is a child. So they aged Cherry Jones down. But then throughout the course of the movie, I don't feel she just like goes back to normal, but then Tammy she's Faye, not even that aged down in totally the flashback. Totally. Yeah. Um, but then but then they don't like they again they just get her back up to like where she normally is. Mm-hmm. But then Tammy Faye, Jessica Chastain's character and Andrew Garfield both age pretty dramatically yeah. in the movie as I'm- as you do <laughs> as right. you age. Um and so there was just a disconnect there of like, maybe it would have felt more age appropriate if they had a different actress as the mom for when she was younger, just as they did 
for Tammy Faye, they had a young girl play that role. Um, or I wish that they would have chosen someone that they had to age up instead of aging down. So a minor yeah, thing, I mean, but truly like she ages what appears to be a couple of years over mm-hmm. the course of a couple of decades, decades. like 50, yeah. 50 years, seriously. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if it's going to distract too much from the mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. to try to really age her up or really mm-hmm. age her down, then probably better just to leave it. Like yeah. she's not such a big character. The audiences are going to mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely hate it. Yeah. But then again, there's us. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then the last thing that I will mention is, um, as much as I did love the hair and makeup and that whole transition, um, that these characters go through at times, especially as time went on, it felt very cartoony and very caricature-y, mm-hmm. which again, I don't know. Um, I think that maybe that was accurate to how they, particularly Tammy Faye, to how she developed her presence and her persona throughout the years of being um, on screen and and a part of these things. So maybe that was accurate to who she was. Um, But I think it just felt a little, a little cartoony to me at times. So those are, those are some of my thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really enjoy this movie. All things that Heather mentioned, I mean, um, the production design in particular, the style of the film in general, um, both due to stylization and just similarities in the era, uh, mm-hmm. probably the closest film in terms of visual style I could uh, compare to would be I, Tonya. Mm-hmm. I think kind of similar from Craig yeah. Glepsey, yeah. kind of similar tone and feel to it in terms of um, editing and style, visual style. Um, which is a it's, which is a high compliment. Both of those films really, really kind of wrap you into that uh, '70s world, uh, mm-hmm. both very glamorous and unglamorous. I mm-hmm. guess you could say uh, all performances here are phenomenal, particularly yeah. the leading two. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard a ton of um, talk surrounding this movie in terms mm-hmm. of Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really isn't like getting a huge release. Um, yeah which is a bummer because it has yeah. the potential to, I think this is a movie that would interest a lot of people, whether mm-hmm. you're, you're religious or have a background in religion or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like an interesting thing, especially yeah. for, you know, people knew who they were outside of the Christian community yeah. back in the seventies. They were like the fourth largest network on television, mm-hmm. like behind, you know, NBC, ABC, I don't know, PBS. And then, PTL. and then them, and then yeah. praise the Lord television or whatever. Um, which is huge. That's crazy. Uh, so it's a bummer. I could easily see both of them, especially Jessica Chastain getting mm-hmm. nominated for Oscars, mm-hmm. but I could also easily see this just being one of those movies that just gets yeah. forgotten, which would yeah. be a bummer. Cause it's yeah. truly worthy, especially knowing how much of a passion project it was for her. Yeah. Just looking at like the dedication she put into every second of every scene, um, in terms of of mimicking Tammy Faye to, like you said, almost like cringe inducing or agonizing mm-hmm. degree mm-hmm. Uh, is, is really quite impressive. Um, I loved Andrew Garfield's performance and I loved and hated his characterization. Mm-hmm. Um, what you said is, is part of it. I just wish I got more yeah. of him because Literally. I loved his performance so much. Also, you're really, so you're watching the movie through 
no pun intended, the eyes of Tammy Faye. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what you realize throughout the course of the film is she was us. Like she was wrapped mm-hmm. into it, mesmerized mm-hmm. by it all mm-hmm. as much as the people were back in the day. And I wanted to see more of the charm and charisma that Jim Baker had mm-hmm. that obviously led to him making Tammy Faye follow him so blindly for so long yeah. and led to him making millions of people around the world. Mm-hmm. I think we saw this like weaker side of him, which mm-hmm. for the sake of showing his actual side and his corruption, not his on-screen presence was truthful, mm-hmm. but I wanted I wanted the movie to kind of mesmerize us, give us almost a hope that this man truly was this great and like this yeah. inspiring to give us a bigger downfall mm-hmm. and kind of slap in the face of reality when we realize how corrupt he was. Mm-hmm. Going into the movie knowing the story, that, mm-hmm. that would be hard to do, but I wanted to, I wanted to be wooed by his career. He obviously yeah. was a very powerful, charismatic, just like, entrancing person Mm -hmm. even through the screen that he was able to get people to donate so much of their money and was able to get people to believe so many lies for so long um i wanted to kind of get that Mm -hmm. but at the same time i also think that not seeing as much of him adds to some of the mystery of his character and the fact that for as much as tammy faye followed him blind him followed him blindly she also didn't really know her husband in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways Mm -hmm. and we don't really get to know him that well so i enjoyed i i both wanted more of him and i understood and i also understood why we didn't get more of him so i i appreciated that but at the same time would have liked them playing with it in a different way too Mm -hmm. overall just a fantastic performance but we don't get quite as much from him as we'd like which is okay it's not his story it's totally it's her story yeah um and I think that's why ultimately they probably chose for that version because from her perspective, she didn't really know him ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really, really like that. I thought that the movie dragged a bit at the end. Um, mm. There were some kind of closing moments that felt a little uh, just full circle for the sake of being full circle and yeah. a little redundant. Uh, made the runtime going a little bit too much. I think it could have trimmed down some stuff and ended on a sharper note Hmm. um ended on a bit more biting of a note than it did i think it ended on what tried to set itself up as a quite tragic note of her in her life which there is a tragedy Mm -hmm. but you just watch that unfold for two hours that kind Mm -hmm. of speaks for itself i think and we also like we can't cut tammy faye 100 slack Mm -hmm. for as much as she was blind and didn't know what was going on there you know she was a part of it to a degree and also i think it's fairly obvious that she has some pretty serious issues Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't i want to tread that ground lightly but she approaches situations and approaches people very differently from most people Mm -hmm. not not in the sense that being different is wrong but in a sense that she could probably be like medicated for it Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah but like and i'm not saying that that's she's that's not something that she can help but Mm -hmm. i think the the movie makes her so empathetic that we think oh we would just be like her in that situation Mm -hmm. i hope not Mm -hmm. like you know i i would hope you walk away from that movie not thinking that's what would happen to me yeah you know like i would because there 
she she approached the situation in in ways that I think anyone could look at and be like, yeah, I mean, was it unfair to her? Sure, but that's odd. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's odd. So I think ending it shorter, trimming it down could have ended on a more biting note to the corruption of the situation as a whole and a less soppy tragic note for her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and still people would have walked out being, oh my gosh, what a tragic life for that woman. They didn't necessarily need probably a good 10 minutes of the film that were kind of dedicated to that. Yeah. But ultimately I thoroughly enjoyed the ride to get there. And mm-hmm. I, I really liked the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I would probably rate it similarly to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, it is currently only out in theaters um, as is Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. Also only out in theaters right now. So is this the first time we've reviewed two movies that are not available anywhere, but theaters? Mm, I don't think so. I feel like it's a rarity. It's rare. Yes. At least so far. So far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But again, with both of these, particularly with the eyes of Tammy Faye, I wouldn't be surprised if it came to some streaming platform, maybe not streaming platform, maybe video on demand Mm -hmm. soon, just because of how limited um, its release has been. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Before we finish up, like probably to me, one thing about the movie that is extremely tragic is that they use some real footage of like the actual Tammy Faye and Chip Baker. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for years, for decades, they were on TV and they thrived in that. Mm -hmm. And after all that time, they just ended up being shrunk down like the rest of them and stuck into small cameras for this movie. (laughs) And it is just so sad. Every time you have done it, I think you're genuinely going to share something. Oh, do you, boy. Do, you, do you remember the first words ever spoken in any episode of our podcast? <laughs> no. Do you remember what they are? It's, it's the little comedy teaser before the intro to our movie testimony episode. No. It's me saying, so just know. Oh that everything I say is completely serious and I've never said a serious thing in my life. <laughs> and I hope that stayed true folks. Tune in next week to, 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 to hear, to see if it stays true <laughs> too. still. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Did you boy, like boy, that? Boy, 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 boy. Man, you guys got me real good. This was <laughs> such a blind sight. I cannot believe accent? it. <laughs> On the show, I do. <laughs> 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 <laughs>